What's love got to do with it? Everything. I'm talking real love, true love. This world has exchanged love for lust. And that hole on the inside becomes bigger and blacker. But the cure for that is love. And God is love. And the love of God, not just his love for us, but our love for him, gives purpose to everything in life. Welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. Well, what's up, everybody? Who's ready to dive into another podcast? I am, uh, I actually have been pondering this since yesterday and just, just thinking about it. And um, the thing that I found in, in my life, like I love people and I like all kinds of people. <laughs> and you know, it's just like, I think people are interesting when, when I look at people and, and I love, you know, I love to hear, uh, their stories. I, I love to hear, um, you know, about their life, but then I always see in people, I see potential always, no matter what they, they look like. And maybe the, the, the vibe, I guess, that they give off may not always be the most pleasant, but people have such potential because people were made in the image of God. And we understand um, that that image was tainted because we're born into this world of sin. But you know, um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So every person is extremely important uh, to God because Jesus died um, for that person. And I know, I mean, uh, we, I always laugh, uh, at our daughter, Cecily, she always, she, I don't even like people. <laughs> and I mean, if you, if you ever meet her, um, you know, she's really just not like that, but you know, people kind of can get on her last nerve. And I'm not saying there wasn't a time in my life that, that I wasn't, wasn't like that, but people interest me and I want to see people living a happy, full, abundant, overflowing, joyful, uh, overcoming life. And, and that's just, just how it is. And I think that's, you know, sometimes people, they, they, they have a hard time understanding me because I'm extremely passionate, um, about, about a life with, with Jesus. Right. And, and my passion kind of, kind of offends them. And people can often think, you know, well, you're trying to shove all that business, you know, down their throat, although I don't actually do that um, with people. But even when I'm preaching, you know, or whatever, I want to see people living free. So many people are bound up by addictions. They're bound up by a lifetime of rejection. They're bound up by a lifetime of abuse, neglect. Um, you know, they've never really encountered um, the love that they should have encountered in life, right? The very parents that should have been the first people to love them never did because they were selfish individuals who only lived by lust and not by love. And so, you know, really what love's got to do with it is everything, everything. Love has to do with everything. And I, I want to just dive into this because I think that, that, that it's important. And I think as believers, we better learn how to love better. Now, what I mean by that, because a lot of people, they don't understand 
love because their idea of love is to tolerate everything, agree with everything, and just let people do what they want to do. That makes not one ounce of sense. That's actually the opposite of what love is, right? And so it's like, you know, when you have children and they're little, just because you might have one that's a little hard headed and you're standing at the corner of the street, getting ready to cross the street, um, and waiting for the, you know, walk sign to come on and your little toddlers holding your hand and trying to yank, you know, trying to yank their hand away from your hand because they just want to go. There wouldn't be love for you just to let them, okay, go right ahead, run out in the traffic. No, they're going to be splat by the traffic. Then they're going to be dead. That ain't love, right? No, you hold on to their hand. You tell them, you stand still and quit that right now, right? And so... People in today's world don't understand what love is. They think if you disagree with them um, or you don't celebrate their really evil choices of lustful lifestyles that you don't love them. Actually, it's just the opposite. It's those that love you are willing to tell you what's actually going to lead to your destruction and your eternal death, whether people recognize it or not, okay? And so I'm not talking about love in a worldly view. I'm talking about love that is real love, according to what the Bible says. And everything starts, you know, with this, which Jesus said, Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, said this, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Well, let's look at verse 34. 35. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him, meaning Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Right. So the Jews, that's everything was based on the law of Moses. And um, so they're always trying to trap Jesus. And he just he just boiled it down uh, there for him. If you look at Mark 12, it reads like this. Verses 28 through 31 reads like this. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I like to read it from the different gospels because there are always points that, that are brought um, out. I like this one that they not only say with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, but they also add with all your strength, everything, really everything within you, right? And then in this one, they particularly say no other commandment is greater than these. Now let's look at the Luke version, Luke 10, verse 25 through 28. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him, him this question. Teacher, now listen to the, the way this is in, 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 um, 
translated here. What should I do to inherit life? So it's not just which is the greatest commandments, but what should I do to inherit life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. You know, and so I find this interesting because everybody wants to focus and you'll see this a lot in in Christianity. Many churches, preachers, pastors, teachers of the word, they want to focus on, well, God, God loves everybody. Yeah, God loves everybody. But there's a whole lot of everybody's that God loves that are actually in hell. God's love in and of itself will not make you right with God. God is love. There's the second part of that, right? It's relationship. It's covenant with God. And these scriptures don't talk about God loving us. We, God can't help but love us. That's who he is. But it talks about us loving God. And if you don't love God, you actually can't love others. And if you don't love others, the scripture says you actually don't love God. And the other part of that is this. If you don't love yourself, you can't actually love others properly. And I think this is where we get into a lot of problems in today's society in 2023 is that people don't even love themselves. First of all, they're so confused at their identity and who they are because they've heard all of this nonsense by wicked, evil people who themselves are utterly confused about truth. They can't even get the basics of biology down. I mean, I think to myself like, wow, where in the world did this this go wrong? And how did people get out of just the mere understanding of truth and facts, right? But people can't even love themselves because they're not even sure who they are. And then they try to fit themselves into the mold of everyone else around them. I think this is one of, to me, is one of the most demeaning um, things in in a normal public school or really any, like, really, yeah, I just say public school and even many private schools. One of the most demeaning things about the atmosphere, the culture in them. Everybody has to fit in this same box. Otherwise, for whatever reason, you're less than, right? And this, the, we're just all not made exactly the same. And so people have such a hard time because either they're confused about their identity or they're comparing themselves with everyone else and think that they don't measure up. But it's like the old saying, how can you, you can't compare apples to oranges, right? We might all be humans, but our strengths are different. Our weaknesses are different. Our gifts are different. Our talents are are different. And whether we like it or not, as we're growing up, the way we are raised or not raised, right, does have a lot to do with our perspective on life and how we see things and how we see others. And so that's why important for people when we come into the kingdom of God, when we make Jesus Christ our personal Lord and Savior, our focus really needs to be on loving God. Our focus has to to be there because as we learn to love God, the reality is we'll learn to love ourselves 
And when we learn to love God and learn to love ourselves, then we can better love others. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit more um, here as we go on. But I'm going to go to John chapter 14. You know, the apostle John had great revelation of God's love and had great revelation, not only of God's love for us, but of our love for God. Like when you read in the gospel, John, as well as the first epistle of John, written by the, the same John, John the Apostle. He covers a lot. God uses him to pen many words concerning love, God's love for us and our love for God. And like I said, we can't, well, you cannot leave this out. And as I read um, these scriptures, I, I think it is important for us to understand. And I know for me, you know, my personality is, has always been a very black and white personality, right and wrong. And it, it always has been. And so, which is good to a certain extent, right? Because it's really hard to, to sway me. You, you have to really prove it by the word of God. Um, to me, when I know something's right and something's truth, and again, I, I base that on the word of God, you're not going to sway me. So that, that's really good in that. But, but the thing is, is that we have to understand is not everybody sees life like that. So when we're relating to other people, we kind of have to get outside of our little box, not saying we change truth because truth is truth. It's, it's, it's not subjective. It's truth doesn't change depending on the person that it's related to. No, truth is truth. It does not change. But the way we present it to people might look different. You know, I know as, as a, you know, a pastor who preaches and teaches the word, I don't concern myself about that. Some people say, well, I think you, you have to realize you're reaching all kinds of people at all different levels. Duh. But that ain't my job. <laughs> I can't actually do that, but the Holy Ghost can. So if I preach the word of God, and flow in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, then he's going to make certain he touches every person at whatever level they are, whether they're unsaved, whether they're just saved, uh, whether they're, they're saved but struggling in their faith, whether they've been saved for a long time and very secure in a holy lifestyle, but maybe um, their fire has gone out or maybe they're burning and blazing for Jesus. I, there's no way from children of the littlest age to the elderly of the eldest age and everywhere in between, there's no way me as an individual can fashion. I, I just can't. Maybe somebody could, but I can't fashion any kind of sermon um, that, that's going to touch them naturally. I can't do that. But the Holy Ghost can because the Word of God is relevant for every age and the Holy Spirit is relevant for every age. I don't have to figure that out. I just preach what God tells me to preach, following and flowing with the Holy Spirit and He touches people. Amen. And so that's not because I don't love them. It's because I do love them. That's the re I leave that up to the Holy Ghost because I know that I am limited within myself, but God loves everybody and he wants everyone to see how relevant his word is to their life and how the instructions in his word actually will help them live that enjoyable, happy, good, overcoming, loving life. Amen. And so when we look at John chapter 14, I think, and that's something that I've learned over the years and, and, and I've had, to, I, I have in, in basic conversation with people, 
I've had to learn how to step back and really listen to people. Because I may have the answer, and I may not have the answer, <laughs> but if I do, there's a way that God's going to say it to that person that's going to come across to them. Now, I can also say as an individual, we cannot be responsible for everybody's triggers in today's world, right? People are triggered by the dumbest things. I can't be responsible for that, right? <laughs> but I do know when I'm sitting one-on-one -on -one with someone having a conversation, there have been times that after I got done saying something, I was like, dang, I missed that. I'm really sorry, Lord. Help me if I can to fix it. If not, I hope their ears didn't hear it. <laughs> and, and I laugh, but I don't laugh in, in, in a cheeky way. I laugh in, we're not one of us are perfect, but man, when you love people, people know that you love them, right? And so they may at that moment not think that you do. Just like a child, when you're correcting them, when you're disciplining them, and that discipline may turn to some level of punishment, a spanking, um, you know, a grounding or whatever it is, you don't even love me, they might spout off. And you're like, yeah, you don't realize how much I do love you. You may not appreciate this now, but you'll be thankful as you grow older that I didn't just let you do whatever you wanted to do, Right. How many children, how many teenagers and young adults today are wishing that their parents had loved them enough to not just let them cut off their breasts because they felt like they were a boy for, you know, they wanted to be a boy, <laughs> you know? And now as young adults are thinking, I wish someone would have told me I can't, couldn't do that, <laughs> right? I'm just saying. And it's the same way I know as a minister, sometimes we have to speak truths that are hard for people to hear at that moment in their life. But that's what love actually does. It doesn't sweep problems under the rug. It doesn't rejoice, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it, it says that, that love does not rejoice in at injustice or unrighteousness. Love doesn't rejoice when people are living a life of sin. We don't have to bring condemnation, but I'm telling you what, we probably should address it. Now, people in the world that don't, don't follow Jesus and don't know Jesus, they're, they're tethered to sin. But people who are in the body of Christ, when someone steps out and then begins to live a life of sin, it is our responsibility to be very plain and straight with them what the word of God says. And they may not think, they may think, well, you're being religious or you're being legalistic. No, I'm being loving. I'm loving you. Amen. And trying to help you see that these decisions that you're making could actually destroy your life. And so in John chapter 14, so there's all these aspects of love I keep going there and then I cut because then the Holy Spirit drops. I'm sorry if, if my thoughts seem disjointed there. I'm just following the Holy Spirit. In today's world, it's to a lot of people what real love and true love is. They don't like it. Because people don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be, um, you know, they don't want to listen to rebuke. They don't want to listen to reproof. They don't, they don't want 
They don't even want the Spirit of God to bring conviction to them. They just want to do what they want to do. John 14, 15, I'm going to read verses 15 through 31. If you love me, Jesus is speaking here. If you love me, obey my commandments. Pretty plain and simple, right? And this isn't the only place it says it. We're going to read it again in this passage. We're also going to read it in the first epistle of John. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it hasn't, it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. See, there's no real living without God's love and without our love for God. Verse 20, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, let me stop here for a minute because I think people don't understand that there are even God is love, but I also believe there's levels of love, right? God is the God of an agape love. It's unconditional. He loves people. But this right here, Jesus makes very, very clear when people love Jesus, there's a different kind of love the father has for them. Oh, I, I didn't say that. That's actually what Jesus said here. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? See? So the question, well, why? But if, if God's love, why are you only going to reveal yourself to us? Jesus replies, verse 23, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember that I told you I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe me. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. And so in this passage right here, Jesus makes it very clear. He draws the line in the sand, right? People say, oh, I, I love God, I, but yet they live however they want to live. They don't live according to the word of God. They live however they want, but I love God. That's not what Jesus says. He says, if you actually love me, you actually do what I say. If you love me, you actually obey my commandments. These are not Amanda Hall's words. These are Jesus Christ. 
Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. I apologize for the really crappy quality of recording here. My app's totally screwed up on me today. So I'm going to continue forward. Hopefully we'll get through this without a whole bunch of hiccups. Amen. 1 John chapter 2. Like I said, these aren't Amanda Hall's words. These are the words of Jesus Christ. If you love him, you're going to do what he says. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Ouch. Oh boy. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now let's carry on verses 7 through 11, 1 John chapter 2. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Hear that? Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go having been blinded by the darkness. This is a powerful passage right here because basically God's using John to really unfold these truths. That again, what like John did in his gospel, if you actually love God, you're actually going to do what, what he says and you're going to live the way Jesus lived when he was on this earth. And he also says you're going to love other believers. And he said, this isn't a new commandment. This is something that's always been but, but he said it is new in the fact that Jesus actually lived this out when he was on the earth. And then he goes on to say, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble, right? That's powerful right there. Many people, is, well, we just, we just called to love them. You know, but then they just let people continue on in sin and not address it. I'm talking people in the church. People in the world are tethered to sin. There's not much we can do for them except preach the gospel, right? Because the gospel has the power of salvation for all who will believe. So our responsibility to the world at large is to preach the gospel, to preach it in word and demonstration of the power of God. But our responsibility to the church is to remain in fellowship with not only Jesus and the Father through the Holy Spirit, but with one another being accountable and holding people to the high standard that is required, yes, required of us as believers. And that standard is holiness. And if someone gets out of line, it is our responsibility. Now, most of the time, it is best to leave this to, in, in a church, leave it to your leaders in a church to take care of things. But if you have a close friend that's in the church with you, someone that you're very close with, and you see things 
in their life going south. You have a responsibility as a fellow believer and a good close friend whom they should trust to tell them, look, that's going to lead in your destruction. That's not going to help you. And you just sitting back acting like it's okay is actually just going to cause them to stumble more. It's important that we live the light, we preach the light, and we preach the truth. In chapter 3 of First uh, John, starting in verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So there's a couple things I want to address here. He talks about Cain and Abel, and he says that anyone... He talks about how don't be surprised if the world hates you. But then he goes on to say anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And something I want to point out here, something that I've heard Pastor Randy Hooper say more than once. He said gossip is the is murderer of the heart. Come on now. It's amazing to me how much in the church we want to disregard the sin of gossip. That the Lord addresses many, many times in his word. And I love how Pastor Randy says that. Gossip is murder of the heart. Don't repeat things you hear about somebody else, in particular people in the body. I don't care if they're true or they're not true. You repeating it does not help. And don't repeat it under the guise of, you need to pray about this. No, you just being a meddling gossip. Gossip, that's what you're being, a meddling gossip. Understand, that in no way helps. This is important. I think it's something that needs to be nipped in the bud in the body of Christ. And we must love one another. And I'm not saying, I think I've shared this before um, on one of my podcasts. You know, just because someone's in the body of Christ and, you know, I don't necessarily mean I like them, but I love them. And to me, love is different in like. And the fact that when you love somebody, you are willing to do, if they're in a place where you can help them, you're willing to help them. Like if there's something that they really need that you can help with, you're willing to do that. But it doesn't necessarily mean I want to hang around with them and spend time with them. Our personalities clash. Uh, Maybe they don't like me or whatever. And they put off that vibe. Then that's basically keeps me from not really liking them too. We're actually not required to like people. And I've said this for years, you know, that I, the word tells me I have to love people. It doesn't actually tell me I have to like people, you know, and, and I preached that from the pulpit a few times. And then I began to wonder, am I saying that right? Is, is that, should I even say that? But then a few months back, several months ago, I heard, uh, Dr. Jesse Duplantis say that, that, that actually the Lord told him, you've got to love people, Jesse, but I don't require you to like everybody. You've got to love the body, but you don't have to like them. And I'm like, woohoo, 
Come on now, <laughs> right? Because that's just, everybody thinks, you know, that you got to be best buds because somebody's a Christian. Now, there's just some people that irritate me. Likewise, I irritate them. That's okay. They don't need to be my best friend and I don't need to be theirs. And they actually don't even need to approve of me and I don't need to approve of them. That's not, that's neither here nor there. They don't have nothing to do with it. Amen. And so we just got to be okay with that, but we shouldn't be gossip about them. We shouldn't be speaking badly about them. Right. And we shouldn't even be speaking bad things about them. That might be real facts. It's none of your business. Stay out of it. And then the other party goes on here to say is, um, he said, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? He said, we should actually love in action, not just in words. But again, let me caution you because we must hold this in connection with the rest of the word of God, right? First off, I, I shared earlier, 1 Corinthians 13, 6, it says, love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. If there's a brother and sister in Christ that is living at the present in some measure of sin, it is, it, we don't rejoice in that. And love doesn't just sit back and do nothing about that, right? Those things need to be addressed. But let's go on to say, here he's talking about if someone, a brother or sister, you know, has a good, lot, good living, like they're, they're well off financially, and they see another brother and sister that could really use some financial help, but won't help them, that... It says they don't love and said, how can the love of God be in that person? But again, let's hold this in connection to what the word of God says. This is so important because people want to take one scripture and then they want to make a whole doctrine out of it, disregarding the rest of the world word. That's the sum of God's word, which is truth. The word of God is truth and it's all held in connection with itself. You can't just pull something out here and something out there and make your whole doctrine based on that. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Hmm, can't get plainer than that, right? Actually, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, it says, Let the thief steal no more but rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hands so that he may be, may be able to give to those in need. So actually cause those in the body of Christ that are believers that won't work are actually called thieves because they're too lazy to work. Instead, they just mooch off everybody else. And if you look at that passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, let's just read the whole thing. In the New Living Translation, the heading in my Bible says an exhortation to proper living. Even as believers, you know, there's proper way to live. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. Oh, boy. What? Did the word of God actually say that? Yes, it did. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet, 
We hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. And as for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Verse 14, hear this again, not the words of Amanda Hall, God's words. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. Oh boy, the word of God actually says that. Yes, yes it does, right? And love doesn't enable people to stay in sin, iniquity, idleness, barrenness. No, love, we are required by love to speak the truth. Yes, speak the truth in love, but are we, we are required by uh, by the word of God to love people. And when we truly love people, we speak the truth. Many people enable those in their lives, in their families or whatever, right? You don't do your children, your grown children, any good by raising their children because your grown children are idle and refuse to take on their responsibility. That's not doing them any good. And you really don't help your grandchildren either because they'll see that it, they, they can just choose to do whatever they want to do and somebody's going to clean up their mess. I, I know people don't like to hear it, but there's just a reality to this. Like at some point in time, you have to draw a line in the sand. You're either going to stand on the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, or you ain't standing on nothing because then it just becomes sand and not the solid rock of God's word. Enabling people to live a life of sin, enabling people, I don't care if they're your children. I don't care if you're enabling them, to, enabling them, right? Putting gas in their car, always feeding them from your table while they're out spending their money on alcohol and drugs and who knows what else. You are enabling them to live a life of sin. That's not love. It's not love. People don't like to hear it, but it's truth. Love's got to do with it. Love has everything to do with this life that we live. And if we're going to love, we need to love the way the word of God tells us to love. First John chapter five, let's go there. See, like I said, the apostle John had great understanding of God's love for him. Therefore, he was an eminent teacher. I mean, he was a, a fantastic teacher of our love for God and how, what our love for God looks like. Why? Because he understood God's love for him, right? In the gospel, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he referred to himself. He had such revelation of God's love for him that that revelation then turns in how our love for God, what it should look like, the practical application of our love from God. And God had him pin his word for that. First John chapter five, verse one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Come on, let's hear this again. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Bam, right? What did I say early on? It says, if you don't love God, then you can't love others. Right here, God himself says, we know we love God's children 
if we love God and obey his commandments. So you can't love others if you don't love God. Amen. But if you truly love God and obey his commandments, then that is proof that you're also loving others, right? Enabling people to live sinful lives is not loving others, right? Enabling people to live idle, unproductive, thievery lives is not love. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Verse three, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. Because see, according to the word of God, I love how John connects here Love and faith. Because according to the word of God in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, faith works by love. It says, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Not these external things that you do to say that you belong to God. No, but only faith working through love. Only faith working through love. See, faith works through love. You can't even operate in faith without real love. And so love has everything to do with living life and living a life with purpose. Galatians 5, 6 in the um, Amplified Classic reads, for if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Your faith won't work if you don't love. And love starts with loving God first. Amen. And the more you get to know the Lord, and how do you get to know him better? By spending time in his word. Why? Because Jesus is the word of God. The more you get to know him, the more you're going to love him. And the more you get to know the Lord, actually, the more you get to know how he sees you and then the more you're going to love yourself and the more you're going to love yourself, then you're at a place where you loving yourself better makes you able to better love others, right? The commandments, what are the greatest? First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And the second like it is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love has everything to do with it. And when you fall in love with Jesus, I'll tell you, your heart will expand in love for people. You know, I, I, I said earlier, and I was using myself as an example because I've always been just a kind of very straightforward, black and white individual. And a lot of people have a hard time handling that. And, and I actually don't do that out of hatred or anger or, or anything like that. It's, it's, it's the way that God made me. And sometimes whether people like it or not, and in today's world, it's even harder because people like for you to dance around them, right? So a lot of people want you with some people, you have to walk on eggshells everywhere, uh, every time you're around them. And, and I just, I can't do that. And, and I won't do it. If I have to do that, I'm going to separate myself from you. I don't care if you're a believer or not. Me and you are not going to spend a lot of time in the same room together, because if I can't be who I am without you being offended at every little thing, that is not on me. That's on you. That's called pride. 
Because when you're easily offended by things that other people say and or do all the time, the reason you're easily offended, and I'm not, and I'm talking about when you get offended by other believers that are working hard, preaching and teaching the truth of God's word, and you get offended by them, the problem isn't with them. The problem is with you because all you think about is you. And trust me, rarely are they thinking about you. I mean, and I don't mean that to be hateful, but you know, you get your eyes off of yourself. No one can be offended all the time unless they just think far too often about themselves. I'm not an easily offended person because I don't think when somebody says something, every time they say something, they're talking about me. Half the time, they don't even know me, <laughs> right? I'm not an easily offended person and you shouldn't be either. And this is extremely important, but the things that I have learned is I have learned, I have learned how to love people so much better. I'm still who God created me to be. I'm still a very straightforward black and white individual, but because I love God more, because I've gotten to know him more, right? To whom much has been forgiven, he loves much. And, and so when I realize who he is and, and this never ends, like it's an eternal journey while I'm on this earth to have fresh revelation every Every level of God unveiled to me of who he is, how awesome he is, and everything he's done for me. I mean, I just fall in love with him, right? We sing an old song over and over and over and over again. And that love gets deeper and stronger and more complete the way I love him. And then the other reality of that is this. As I love him more, I actually start loving myself more because the more time I spend in the word, the more I realize who I am in him and who he is in me and how he sees me. And I begin to love me. And the thing is, is that that's not arrogant. That's not prideful. That is actually where you have to be because the better you love yourself, the better you're going to love others. Love others as you love yourself. You know, and one of the keys why I think it's, it's easier to love people when you love yourself is because you don't compare yourself to them. There's no jealousy because you love you for who God's made you and everything he's done for you and what he's called you to do. And you see value in your life and you have purpose and you know that God made you on purpose with a purpose and you're living that life of purpose. So when you're like that, then it's easy to see that for others. So you're not comparing yourself. You've got no problem cheering somebody else on. You've got no problem with raising somebody else up to a level that may, you, that may look like you're acknowledging them greater, you know, higher than you are. There's nothing, you have no no problem with that because them, them being celebrated, someone else being celebrated, somebody else being promoted and lifted up to new levels does not affect your ability to be promoted, celebrated and lifted to no, new levels. Amen. But it's hard to love people like that if you don't love yourself, because when you don't love yourself, you feel like you're always in competition. I don't need to be in competition with people. I can just celebrate with them. Amen. And it's much easier to do that when you learn how to love yourself properly. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, love has everything to do with it. There, it is an awesome life <laughs> to love people. To love people. Wow. And to love people to life, right? Not love people to death. Love people to life. 
This is why I preach and teach the word because one, God's called me to do it. And two, because I love him so much. I love people and I want people to hear the word because the word will transform them. The preaching of the gospel is what has the power. The gospel has the power for the salvation of their souls. If they're only believed, but how can they believe what they have not heard? And how will they hear if someone doesn't tell them? Amen. And I've been sent by God himself, appointed by Jesus Christ to tell you. Hallelujah. Love has everything to do with it. Father, thank you so much for your love. Every day, I feel like, Especially, I feel like it's been so magnified in the last few months. Every day, Lord, I feel like I'm learning a new facet of your love. And in that, I'm learning to love myself better. And I'm seeing other people with fresh eyes of love. And Father, it's making a difference. I pray that every person that listens to this podcast will just feel your love pouring out on them like a hot wax, not something that burns them to bad, Father, but burns your love on the inside of them, that they'll recognize the truth of your word, that they'll learn, that they'll desire, Father, to get in your word and get to know you more so they can love you better and then learn how to love themselves better so that they can learn to love other people, that they'll not get their definition of love, Father, from the world, but from your word. Hallelujah. Continue to teach us, Father, how to love the way you love. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to share the word of God with you. I hope that it encourages you and I really do hope it challenges you. (laughs) (laughs) because really that's what helps us grow and stretch. Amen. Love y'all. I'll see you on Friday.